A 2016 Barna study found 20% of Christian women use porn regularly. These women often feel alone in the struggle with lust, pornography, and sexual shame. Our guest this morning has made it her mission to break the silence, banish the shame, and bring women's struggles into the light of God's grace and forgiveness. Jessica Harris is a writer and international speaker who talks openly and honestly about pornography and addiction among Christian women. She has written the book, Quenched, Discovering God's Abundant Grace for Women Struggling with Pornography and Sexual Shame. And good morning, Jessica. Good morning. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, a pleasure to have you on. So let's talk a a little bit about the subject from your point of view. You um, have a story to tell about this. So can you just give us a brief overview? Absolutely. I, so I grew up in a Christian home. We'll just I always want to start there. So I grew up sure. in a Christian home, going to church um, every Sunday, every Sunday evening, every Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> All the time we were in church. Um, and I was exposed to pornography when I was 13 years old. And this is back in the day of, of dial-up and floppy disks, back when the Internet was relatively new. Right. And we didn't quite have an understanding of the dangers, I guess, of, of mm-hmm. having that sort of access. And so... I was exposed at 13 and really just started to believe that this was a safe and healthy outlet for me and Mm -hmm. didn't really hear a message against that in the church necessarily or in my family. And then when I was 17, it it had gotten out of control. It was was like Mm all-consuming, a second nature for me almost. And when I went to go find help, there were no resources for women. No one was talking about the fact that women could do this. And that just led me to believe that I was alone and I was the only one in the world who had had this problem. Um, And it really just launched this battle with shame almost. Mm -hmm. I can't tell anybody about this. No one can ever find out because if they do, they're going to hate me. They're going to disown me. And so I eventually found freedom and I I walk through all that in the book, but I eventually found freedom and just really am passionate about changing that conversation from we don't talk about this to we talk about this in a way that reconciles people with God and brings people back into grace. So Jessica, how do we do that? How do we bring up the conversation in our churches when it seems kind of taboo to talk about this in women's gatherings? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely in the women's gathering, right? Yeah. We talk about it from the pulpit, like when we're talking about men, like I feel like a lot of pastors are good at the implying, you know, husbands, what you're looking at on your phones or on the computer, like everyone knows what they're they're saying. And so I think in a broader church context, the easiest way to do it is just to tag and women onto there. So when you're addressing this to say something like men and women, what you're looking at on your phones or um, what you're looking at on the computer, what you're spending your time looking at or to talk to your sons and daughters about this. So including women in that conversation. As far as like a woman-specific conversation, coming at it to a point of coming at it from the side of grace, of God's grace is so big, it reaches you no matter where you are, even if you're a woman struggling with something that you thought you never struggle with, like pornography, Hmm. and bringing it in from that way. Because no woman's going to come to, or very few women will come to like a woman's porn event, you know, (laughs) we're not going to do that. But if you have an event where we're going to talk about grace and all of the ways Mm -hmm. that God can touch our lives and touch our stories. There are so many, it's not just pornography, there are so many kind of taboo stories for women in the church. Women struggle alone with things like infertility. They struggle alone with things like abuse Mm. in their families. So like things like that where you can kind of open up this broader conversation of grace and say like God's grace is big enough to touch all of these 
stories and to redeem all of these stories and bring it in that way in conversation. Yeah. We're talking with Jessica Harris about Quenched, Discovering God's Abundant Grace for Women Struggling with Pornography and Sexual Shame. Do you have a success story you can share with us, Jessica, since you really have been advocating, uh, you know, plans and programs to help in this area? Can you share uh, an, an anonymous type story of something that God has really been doing and, and, and working in this? Yeah, absolutely. So I, there's a broader story of like just the conversation changing. So since I started doing this in 2009, um, one of my goals has been to help the conversation in the church change. And so um, I was actually over in Australia, speaking in Australia, and spoke at a pastor's conference there and shared my story and shared how and why when we're silent about this, we create more shame for women than if we just talked about it to begin with. And a few months later, a colleague of mine was in that same town in Australia at a different kind of event, and they had a pastor come in, and he spoke about pornography, and he spoke about men, 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 men struggle with pornography, men this, men that, men this. And my colleague was furious because the, he never mentioned women. And when they had a lunch break, he sat down with some other pastors, and the other pastors that were there were also furious that the guy had never mentioned women. And my mm-hmm. friend said, whoa, like, whoa, 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 you know, where did you guys hear this from? Like, what, what got you guys on this track? And I said, oh, well, Jessica, this woman, Jessica Harris, came here and shared her story. And so now we know that it's important to talk about mm-hmm. this issue for women. So that was a really neat way to see that the conversation overall is changing. Mm-hmm. But in the book, Quenched, I have highlighted several stories from women who have reached out to me over the years and saying, I feel so alone. I feel like God hates me. And one of the things I always encourage women to do is tell somebody in your community. It's not enough to tell me, an online stranger, <laughs> what, no. you're, what you're dealing with. Like, tell somebody in your church, in your family, a friend, somebody, and each one of those stories comes back with a way that they have found healing and grace and redemption in their story. And, and mm-hmm. there are different paths for each of them. Some of them have gone to counseling. Some of them told a friend, and the friend said, oh, me too, or... They reached out to a woman in their church, and that woman was willing to come alongside them and mentor them through this process. So Mm. um, we definitely are seeing that women are more open to to helping others through something like this um, and just seeing healing and redemption that way for sure. So, Jessica, you mentioned the encounter Jesus had with the woman at the wells, an example of kind of working through this shame that we're feeling, you know, sexual sin shame or pornography shame. Yeah, tell us more how, how that story really feeds into this narrative of, of talking about it and addressing it and Absolutely. not being full of shame in it. Right. One of the things I love is that the, the interaction of Jesus with the women in the Gospels, so many of those are women who have like bad reputations. You yeah. know? Yeah. <laughs> We've got the woman who is caught in adultery and the woman at the well. You have the woman who anoints his feet mm-hmm. and the the people around are like, oh my goodness, I can't believe he's letting her touch him. And the woman with the issue of blood, even though we don't, we have no indication that she had a sexual sin, the issue of blood would make her ceremonially unclean and she would be an outcast from right. society. Yeah. And he is known for dining with prostitutes and tax collectors. And so as I was thinking about just God's heart for people, as we see that illustrated in Jesus' life, I thought, man, there's so many examples of Jesus' heart for women who, by our standards, would be, I guess, most undeserving. 
and how he reaches out to them with mercy and with grace. And I thought, this is a message that we're missing in our church, like the, the depth of the message. It's not just like Jesus loves you. It's like, listen, when you are like this woman at the well who is smothered in shame, essentially, like I imagine her walking the well, walking to the well at high noon in the heat of the day, feeling so alone and he's there. He is offering himself to her and she is deflecting him and saying like, you, you shouldn't be talking to me. You're a, you're a Jew. Like what mm-hmm. are you doing asking me for this? And he eventually reveals that he knows exactly who she's been this whole time mm-hmm. that she's been talking to him. And she then starts asking about worship. And I thought, this is crazy. This is a religious quote unquote woman who is struggling and smothered in shame and we just don't hear the story from that angle. And I think there's so much hope and grace for Christian women who grow up in the church and who have this image that they're trying to upkeep and who feel so much shame to know that Jesus knows. He knows all about them. He knows their history. He knows their story. And he's still offering himself to them. You know, he doesn't tell the woman at the well, worship. Like, why are you asking me about worship? You, you don't even care about worship. You don't pretend you want to worship me. He doesn't respond that way. Instead, he responds by saying, I, I am who you have been searching for. I am the person that you are longing for. I am Messiah. And that's the message that mm. completely revolutionizes mm-hmm. her life and then the town. And so... I just wanted to communicate that to Christian women who are struggling with something that is can be so shameful and so taboo and so dark and make them feel so alone, to know that Jesus is, is there and He knows and He's still offering Himself and mm-hmm. all of the redemption that comes with that. He's making that offer to them as well. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. So, Jessica, before we let you go, if somebody's listening right now and they're feeling the Holy Spirit just really tugging on their heart, whether they've whether they've been addicted to pornography or not, but they really feel convicted to start something or to do something in their church or in their town uh, to start helping those with this, um, what would you say to them to how to encourage them to get started? It's honestly just as easy as having a conversation. So. I believe that freedom happens in community and freedom happens in discipleship. And so if you are in a situation where you know a younger woman or you are in a ministry over women, just bringing it into the conversation and saying, like, this is also an issue for women and we're going to figure out how to address this together. You don't have to have all the answers to be able to start having the conversation. And there's actually a chapter in the back of Quenched about the specifics of how to set up recovery communities is what I like Mm. to call them recovery communities and how to walk through that and what that can look like, how to keep people feeling safe. You know, you don't want to necessarily advertise it on your church and have it during a time when everyone can see who's walking. How do we, how do we remove the shame from that? There's a whole section or a whole chapter in, in quenched about that. But honestly, it's just as easy as starting the conversation, whether that's one-on-one with somebody that you know, or from the pulpit, as a ministry leader, whatever that looks like, it's just starting the conversation. Mm-hmm. Also, Jessica, is freedom possible for people? Maybe somebody's really feeling like, I don't think I'll ever be able to break free. Is it possible? Thank you so much for asking that. Yes, I am so passionate about this because I think at 17 and struggling, I thought, you know, there is no way, even if I get out of this, like, 
there's no way I have a, a good life beyond this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I see it all the time with women going like, there's no way I can ever be married. There's no way I could ever be a mom. There's no way I could ever serve in ministry because of this. And, and so God's freedom is so big. It's not just freedom from sin. It's freedom from shame. And it's freedom to serve. And it's freedom to have the mm-hmm. abundant life that he promises us. And so as someone who struggled with this for years in the church and who finally found freedom, not just from pornography, I also am now very happily married to an amazing man who knows my whole story. That's how we met. You know, we have two beautiful children. Like Mm -hmm. you are able to have, I tell women, picture what freedom looks like for you. Like in an Mm -hmm. ideal world, what does freedom look like for you? God can give you that. Like God can give you a life that is not, is no longer marked by pornography. It's not something that I battle on a daily basis. It's not something that I think about all the time. And that didn't seem possible when I was 17 and struggling, but I can say now, several years later, that it is absolutely, absolutely possible. Thanks, Fab. Yeah, praise the Lord. That's Jessica Harris, and the book is called Quenched, Discovering God's Abundant Grace for Women Struggling with Pornography and Sexual Shame. Jessica, thanks so much for fitting us in and taking time uh, to talk with us about this important subject. Thank you. It's my pleasure.